and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with Tim Bat, who is a friend of the podcast, an excellent all-round good man. And we sat in the lobby of the Chinese Museum, which is my venue in Melbourne, not a cool bar, an actual museum. And we talked about uh, competitive outrage, uh, street preachers, courage and vulnerability on stage, blackface, gollywogs, American politics, local politics, online activism, its pros and cons, and the deep temptation to attribute bad faith to your enemies. It's a very broad-ranging conversation, and Tim is an excellent interlocutor. I very much enjoyed the chat that we had. Uh, look him up online at Tim Bat on Twitter and find his work. He's a thoughtful and interesting chap. Thank you, everybody, who's been coming to my show, Ethos, at 7.15 at the Chinese Museum in Melbourne. I'm very happy with the show now. It has been just such a struggle to get to the point where I'm really happy with it, and I am. And I've been having some really lovely shows with uh, mainly sold out. So if you do want to buy a ticket, if you're a Patreon subscriber that wants to take advantage of the two-for-one ticket deal, which is to say if you're a Patreon subscriber at any level, I will give you one free ticket if you buy a ticket. So uh, if you could email me and tell me what day you want to come as far in advance as you can, that makes life easier for me. Um, when it is sold out, I can grab one of the producer holds or something like that before they get released. So uh, I don't know if you know the... Uh, there's usually, even when it's sold out, there's two or three holds that are held by the producers of the show for uh, fancy people, festival types or uh, media and uh, they get released on the day. So they usually get released about 3 p.m. on the day of the show. So if you want to come to the show and you are a Patreon subscriber, let me know a couple of days in advance so I can grab one of those producer holds so that they don't put it in a media type, if you know what I mean. That said, thank you everybody who has been coming. It's been so lovely. Um, I'm gonna be taking this show to Sydney from the 2nd to the 6th of May, Perth from the 10th to the 12th of May and then London um, dates will be put out on my Twitter at alliterative as and when they emerge. I know I have some locked in. I will, you know, I'll update my page, I promise. Uh, thank you everyone who's been leaving nice reviews. Thank you everybody who's come up to me after the show to say hi and thank you everyone who continually just you are so lovely to send me emails at alicerfraser at gmail.com and let me know what you're thinking about the show or about your life or where the show and your life uh, converge it really makes me incredibly happy uh, on top of the the actual support from the patreon subscribers which i have no words for how much it means to me so that said i will let you get on with listening to this episode i really enjoyed having the conversation i hope you enjoy listening to it i will let you get on to it i've already said that you're having tea with alice i'll see you next week so uh who are you and what are you drinking my name's Tim. Tim Bat is the name. I did that like a James Bond thing. It's so weird. But in reverse, I'm drinking a kombucha, which Alice Fraser just bought for me. It's yes, very I lovely. Did. Cheers, mate. Cheers. We won't clink over the sound recorder. It's risky business. It's I a mean, raspberry one, too. Yeah, I like a bit of uh, ambiance. We're sitting in the Chinese Museum, which is my venue and is also a museum. Do you enjoy it here? 
Yeah, I like it. I like the nature of being in a museum because it sort of it gives people a vibe. It does. It, it comes with a baked in vibe. Yeah. And not all venues have that. No. If you go into like a black box theatre or something, you have to create, it's BYO vibe. BYO vibe, whereas this has got, you know, Terracotta Warriors, it's got tea, I'm in the tea room, which is appropriate for this podcast. Carl Donnelly was, uh, I saw his show in here, and he said, I saw that my venue this year was the Chinese Museum, and I thought it was some trendy <laughs> club in Fitzroy or something. It's like, no, it's actually it's a actually Chinese museum. It's actually a Chinese museum. museum. A museum of China. It is. We're surrounded by wonderful artifacts as well. Just to paint a little picture, everyone. I'm looking across some beautiful golden um, dragons, dragon statues, and there's wonderful uh, chopstick packages. Chopstick holders for leaning your chopsticks on. A Chinese lucky pouch, which sounds like a euphemism for something. A vagina, everyone, if you're slow to catch up. And a lucky hanging chime, which sounds like a euphemism for something else. Balls, everyone. (laughs) I'm I'm here to fill you in. You're here to be the explainer of euphemisms. (laughs) Exactly. What have you been wrestling with recently? Um, I want to say a crippling sense of mortality, because it's the, I think, funniest answer. (laughs) But (laughs) uh, what have I been wrestling with recently? Well, in the immediate term, uh, technology this evening got a show which relies on a bit of tech and oh boy did it not work tonight didn't work tonight yeah i feel terrified because this is my first show where i've had any tech this is the first show where it's and been you've got anything quite a bit. yeah it's anything other like i've always been a walk in mm. the tech guy goes what do i do i'm like music on at the beginning music off at the end nothing yep. else yeah i think and that's the way to go alice yeah that's what i'm learning this year i think i go year in year out i, I do a year of just a pure stand-up show yep. some intro music some outro music nothing in between and then I go, oh, I'm bored. I l- I'm a big geek. I want to introduce some bits, some some tech bits. And then the next year I'll do a show that's real tech heavy and I'll go, oh, fuck, this is insane. Yeah, it's so why hard. Would I do why that? would I do this? Well, I like doing hard things. I'm, I'm As well as doing this show, I'm also doing a one-off of my three last shows. Three oh, one-hour no, shows as one three-hour show. That's great. On the 21st. Yeah, I am terrified. Like, I've never done... How do you store all of that in your head? Well, we will see. Yeah. I mean, I've well, done... Do you have a set list? I, I think I will. I'll have a set list. I'm, I'm doing it for ABC um, as a radio thing. Amazing. So it's so cool. Yeah. It, I think I'll be okay to have some sort of cue cards or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, The Resistance, which is the middle show, all of the cues are on the picture of the house behind me. So there are sort of keywords. It's like your memory palace, yeah, but an is, actual house. It is my memory palace. So the middle one should be fine. Savage is such a like a personal story that is kind yeah. of deep in me. And That's the first show I saw of yours. Oh, so yes. It was amazing. Thank you. It's very good. Um, yes, so I think the, the issue will be with the Empire, which is the most recent. So I'm hoping it'll all be there Man, in there once I, I start saying the words. In terms of, <coughs> excuse me, wrestling with something, my memory is a huge one. Really? Yeah, I'm always battling that for Stan. I have the worst memory. I think it is like physically defective. I had quite a lot of knocks on the head as a kid. Really? Yeah. yeah. I you just think it's that? I do. I really do. I think I keep, keep banging my head into stuff. People go, oh, it's because you smoke too much weed. Only as an adult, though, you know? I don't think it messes with your memory that much if you smoke weed as an adult. And also, I don't think it messes with your memory that much if you're an adult. Yes. Yes. Very funny. <laughs> I see you. what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're bit, yeah, you've got a remarkable amount of energy for someone who's just finished a show. Yeah. Which is good. I always feel, like, completely wrung out. Yeah, it's real adrenaline come down, and then people want to talk to you after the show. 
It wasn't a great show. And I've noticed because you come out and you sort of greet people as, as everyone leaves, right? As they leave, yeah. That's my way of assessing whether they enjoyed it or not. If they make eye contact, then they don't hate you. <laughs> that's good. Have <laughs> you genuinely had audiences hate you? Yeah, I mean... It's such a strong reaction yeah, to have Yeah, look, I got a, a really bad review in, in Adelaide. To be fair, it was a very new show, but yeah, they hated it. Wow. Really hated it, wow, which wait. is always weird. I hired. I, 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 there's a little room. I'm in a venue called Kazray Top Steady Secrets, which is just a bar, mm. which downstairs in the basement has this wonderful, tiny little venue space. Yeah, low-ceilinged, sort of, you feel like you're in a cave. Totally, which is great for comedy, I think. Yeah. And it's kind of dingy, and yeah, it's like someone's been murdered down there a little bit, yeah. which is the vibe you want for stand-up. <laughs> but they've got a storage room, which kind of acts as the green room, and I just disappear into there as soon as the show's done. I don't yeah. want to You don't want to talk anyone. to people. No. Yeah, I've, I sometimes feel like that, but I feel like, yeah, I want to know who, I, who was in there. I want to. I want to see their faces because they got to see my face. Good on you. you want, it's got to be it's a bit brave. of back and forth. Yeah, is it brave, or is it just me wanting to like be validated? No, not quite. It's more just taking away the mystique. You go from being someone on stage to being. Well, so interestingly, tonight I did not have a functional microphone, so I was basically just another audience member who happened to be the one talking mm-hmm. tonight, um, which really takes the sting out of a show yeah it can do I think it's really important like you, d- you don't think it it's when people are in real life go oh tell me a joke and you're like I can't no. do that like give I me give me a room give me people give me lights give me a microphone yeah and then I'll be a comedian we really should have jokes for that though eh? you know one in the pocket do you have one in the pocket that you tell when people literally ask? I have my little one liners on cards you pull it out of your pocket and just pull give it, it to me. Like, yeah. Dignify this with a verbal response, yeah. but here's have my card. Have a tweet card. that I wrote on a piece of paper. That would be. <laughs> how good would that be as a business card for comics? Tell me a joke. Get fucked. Here's one written down. Hire me if you like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I sell them on my website. It's so good. Go and buy them. AliceFraser.com. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Um, but where do you get the .com? By the way. Why did I get the dot? No, way to get, sorry, way, way to I was congratulating the, you. There was someone else who had it for some years, a person who did calligraphy. Oh, yeah. And then she let her thing lapse and I jumped on it. You got in there. I've, I've got, got a plumber there. sitting on timbat.com. Really? I think so. It was last time I checked. Well, you should check again. Maybe I should. you can scoop him. Yeah, Plumbers I should. can't live forever, man. I think I've got one of those, um, you can put like a hold order on them, eh? So yeah. when it expires, you're the first one in there. You're the first one and you've got an option on it mm. to speak in legal terms. Do you miss the profession? No. Never? No. Do you ever find yourself um, uh, like in a position where it is useful nowadays with your current yes, life? Yes, absolutely. I always offer to help people with contracts and I do a little bit of pro bono work just to keep my hand in. And feel like I'm making up some both sort of pro bono and keep a hand, and both sounded like euphemisms. Yeah. But I'm not quite quick enough. You're not to quite quick enough to get on right it. Now. Well, yeah, I just feel like you know it's nice to keep the qualification up in case mm. everything goes south. But I think I would not. So be you're still con- registered. What's the term? Yeah, I still you're on have the bar. Yep. What is the bar? I'm Explain not the, a, bar on the bar. The bar. Uh, so the bar is um, a, a level of being a lawyer. So if you're a solicitor, you can't appear in court. Like you can be in court. But you can't speak in court to the judge. You don't present. You don't present. You don't argue or defend somebody. So that's what being at the bar is. Right. More or less. It's a very simplified, oversimplified way of doing it. But yeah. And from a um, 
etymology point of view, bar and barista, <laughs> barista rather, <laughs> are they from the same root? Yes, they are. And what about barista? Is Barista's that also from a different root? I think. Right. I think that might come from the other kind of bar, but I'm not sure of the etymology of barista. He's probably Italian, right? That would make sense. Why not? Yeah, yeah, Let's it definitely it's is. No one looked that up. It's definitely it's Italian. To it being Italian. Absolutely. So Do you remember back in the day before people had cell phones and you could just say stuff like that? And if you were confident, you were no, a knowledgeable person. I was person. so good at that. I, um, <laughs> I, was, I was very, very good at that. And it's one of those things where the less certain I am, the more certain I sound. Great. Which is an excellent trait for a lawyer, I think. Well, and a, a good comedian. trait for a lawyer and an improviser. As a comedian, it just looks like you're very confident in bad material <laughs> when you're filling in <laughs> gaps. But so much, I reckon, of stand-up comedy is selling. Yeah. Selling your concepts, selling your jokes. All sort of. For me, it's also um, I have to sell some uncertainty because totally. of the way that I sound and because of being a woman. If you come across as too confident, it can make people not like bristle. you. Bristle. Yeah, make people bristle. So actually the more confident I am in a show, the more uncertain I will look on right, stage. Right, right. I think that that, can, uh, that that applies for all genders as well, though. If yeah. you come in brazenly confident right from the get-go, people want a little bit of, um, uh, what's the word, a bit of vulnerability bit to of, gravitate yeah, towards. A bit of you know? humility. It makes yeah. you feel more connected to the person if there's a space, a chink in their armour. Exactly. Um, and it's a status game comedy. If you're wanting to make fun of things and people, you don't want to be the bully. No. Absolutely. You've you got to be down in the mud. You've got to yes. be a little dirty little grub. You've got to be beneath your target. Yeah, see, so that's you're punching one of my up. least favourite things in the world. And I'm, I know this is going to sound like it's personally targeted at you. Bring it on, mate. But the, the, the people who are like... On stage it comes across as people who are like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. And then you're like, well, why don't you not be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then also there's a habit among young men and young women of our generation to call themselves little boys or little grubs or yeah. little rats. Yeah. And you're like... That kind of disempowerment thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think for boys it's a little bit like Marilyn Monroe in the 50s of like, boop, I'm just a baby. Don't, yeah. You know, don't feel threatened by me. And yeah. maybe it's got to do with like toxic masculinity and this sense that... Like being a man is something that isn't necessarily a great thing to be. So this is a reaction to it. Then I will gravitate toward the very opposite. Yes, I'm just going to be a harmless. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's self infantilization, and I I find it. I'm like, no, no, no. You're a man. Yeah, you're a grown up man. Yeah, which means medieval times you'd be a grandfather by now. Totally, and you have to take. all of that. You have to take the responsibilities. You don't get to shirk it just because you want to make some silly jokes. You know, I can't do adulting. That one gets me as well. Of like, I hear well, you. just do it, you know. It's tightrope, eh? Because I find that really tiresome as well. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things you get a lot of new comedians who do that. In the same way that you get a lot of new comedians who do all sorts of stuff, which is somewhat regrettable. Like, the, you know, when I started doing comedy, I did horrible, horrible, horrible material. Yeah. Not like, you know... I wouldn't get put in jail or anything or necessarily get totally hauled over the coals, but it's nothing I'd be proudly standing by now. Oh, yeah. We but all have one of them. Yeah, because it's it's a tricky old thing when you're trying to find both what your voice is and what your thing is. And so you just sort of mimic what the broadest strokes of comedy you're familiar with are and the safest bets. And yeah. usually that's about getting on stage and making yourself as low status as humanly possible. Yeah. But then you've got it, which I think is totally fine. And there's lots of funny ways to do it. 
but then I think you've either got to turn that into something beyond just that, put your own twist on it, or like just evolve. Yeah. As you get more confident as a performer. Yeah, I think so. If you get stuck in that stage, it's it's not good. No, I don't enjoy it. It isn't good. Yeah, for me, it's sort of a mixture. I'll go between quite alpha male body language on stage, and then taking it back to some sort of like borderline mad professor body language. (laughs) Of like, I'll do a lot of these head clutches of like, what am I actually saying? The troubled philosopher. Yeah, that's what I go for. So you are super into politics. Um, Yes, I am. You sound sceptical. Well, I am sceptical. I follow American politics like a hawk, but it's just kind of, it's sort of a hobby, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, But I have come to the realisation that I'm actually very uninterested in my own local politics in New Zealand, which is bad. Um, I kind of got forced to pay very close attention to the last election cycle we had because um, I had a TV show which was like a news and politics panel chat show and it was live so I couldn't look like a a dick and we couldn't edit that bit out. Um, So I had to sort of school up on that but I just, uh, (laughs) this sounds really bad, I find New Zealand politics such small potatoes that I'm just like why even (laughs) pay attention? Do you have compulsory voting in New Zealand? No, you have to be on the roll. I mm. think. Um, or do you? I think you do. I think you, it's compulsory for you to be on the roll. Um, in Australia, you have to vote. Is that right? Yes. You, you get penalised for not voting. There's a $100 fine yeah. if you don't vote. Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? I think it's a good idea and a bad idea. I think it's good in that everyone has to vote, so you don't need to have the kind of politics that frightens people into voting. So you don't need to get that fear in people, which you see in American politics of just characterising the other side as the devil and you need to get out and vote to protect your family. like that. Because so few people vote that you just get the people on the margins because that will be the easiest to whip up into your camp. Exactly that. And then so you don't have that. Australian politics is quite boring because you don't have that thing. You've got some good villains though here, I reckon. We have a few few decent ones. But there's not the need to frighten people into voting. And then the other side of it is that, or the bad side of it is that both of the parties are very close together. Both yeah. the major parties don't need to be that differentiated from one another. Yeah. Um, so I think that's quite common right now. Maybe it always has been, but you know, I've only lived in this time. But it seems that in so-called advanced Western democracies, mm. the major parties are really close together. The two that seem to argue in a way that suggests they're ideologically polarised. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, very, 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 very similar. Very, very similar They occupy a such a small band. Well, because you have these, um, the things on which they di- differ are presented as like, not just ideological, but identity level yes. differences. So, for yeah. example, gay marriage or uh, health care they're huge or you know women's rights or whatever it is they are they might not even affect people's lives as much as other issues yes. like taxes yeah. or you know business laws yeah but they go to people's identity yeah so you you're on one side or the other you're not well, it's the same thing that advertising figured out in sort of the 30s or the 40s you know it's that whole mad men thing of you're not advertising a product, you're advertising a lifestyle. Yeah. You're not advertising policies, you're advertising identity Yes. Now with politics. Who are you and yeah. buy the thing that Which tells team? other people who you are. Yeah, who's your sports team? Yeah. Which hat do you wear when you go to the game? We've got, um, it's kind of, 
it's one of those things where it feels disingenuous to get super interested in like New Zealand politics for me at a time when it's interesting. It's sort of like supporting a team that's already doing well. But we do have a really fascinating thing happening in New Zealand at the moment where our Prime Minister is a pregnant woman <gasps> what? who's 37 years old named Jacinda Ardern, who's like kind of, um, well, sort of used to be a mate of mine. It's really? so weird to have someone who you kind of know just sort of tangentially, you know, um, done some events for her and that kind of thing and then just through a really weird set of circumstances saw her within nine months go from not a backbencher there was a lot of, she had a little bit of clout and stuff but um, she kept telling everyone myself included when I'd interview her that she had no intention of running for leadership and now she's the Prime Minister wow the, the boss country. of the country yeah and she's fantastic that's she's like being the mayor of Sydney yeah <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? It's about the same number of people, man. It's um, first of all, that's not true. We've got four point something million, four and a half million people now. I think. I think we have that many in Sydney. Oh my god, I could that's be embarrassing. Wrong. Um, but she's like, she's really car- she's carving out a place for herself on the world stage, and I think she. She's kind. She's for me. She's really similar to Barack Obama, where she had to be kind of absolutely perfect for it to work. Yeah. You know, he, for America to get their first black president, he had to be beyond reproach. Exactly. You know, the first ever African American who was the editor of the Harvard Law Review, and had to have, just be incredibly exceptional. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same with Jacinda that she is a uniquely gifted communicator. Yeah. It's it's like it is insane how she can operate as a as a public communicator to me. I find it so fascinating. It's cuz it's genuine. Like yeah. you, it's actually too tiring to fake doing that <laughs> for the amount of time that you're a politician, you know. Yeah. Cameras are always on. So she's really coming from a good place, but it, her her rise to prominence has been super interesting. So now you're allowed to be interested again. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> and you did the show when it was boring, so. Yeah, it's true. It's true. This is weird, though. Everyone thought we were going to wind up with the a National, which is our centre-right government uh, party, lead government again. Mm. But we've got a similar system to you guys where you've got to build a coalition and ah, the magical thanks. third party who just rallies all the old people and the racists together to get all <laughs> those votes. He, or, the guy's name's Winston Peters. He's like 70, 74 years old, I think. And uh, he's got a, a party called New Zealand First. And he's not quite at the level of, um, oh, what's her name? Richard Australian woman. Oh, Pauline Hanson. Yeah. He's not at Pauline Hanson's level, but he's kind of this, this old school, uh, erudite sounding racist dude. Yeah. Um, who rallies the troops every year and gets a disproportionate number of seats in the house. And then he managed to negotiate his way into getting the deputy prime ministership. So he was like, oh. cool, I'll pick you then. And so now we get Jacinda as our leader. Jacinda and then Winston with the, in the sec. Oh, so they're sort of the, that's a nice pairing. Yeah. I wonder if they get on behind closed doors. I imagine they would, actually. I think they would recognise, you know, the talents in each other. Yeah, game recognises game. Exactly. <laughs> I think there would be a bit of that, for sure. Oh, I've been wrestling today with this, um, for some reason, I don't put a lot out on social media that is personal. It's mainly jokes and, you know, things. So Facebook and Twitter advertise a range of really funny things to me. So for a long time it was like lesbian dating or, you know, single women freezing your eggs 
and a lot of like plus size women's wear. <laughs> what are you searching? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I think it's what I say. Maybe, maybe it's having a sense of humor. They assume that I'm right. larger. I, I like. I genuinely <laughs> don't know what it is, and I'm, I'm very much for the kind of body positivity movement, because, uh, you know, I think it's a good thing for people to feel good about themselves. Yeah. But there is this. This is a slightly contentious thing to say. That I, I always mistrust when there's a capitalist streak to any ideology, right? Because that's where it's going to be a stronger and more powerful ideology because capitalism kind of sweeps all before it. Yeah. But there's this tone in the advertising that's, that's like, oh, you know, you can be cool and funky and beautiful as a fat woman. Yeah. That comes across to me as, oh, no, 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 you're not too fat to buy things. So this is sort of a McDonaldization of body positivity, is what you're yeah, freaked sell- out about. Yeah, selling they're selling you this idea that you can feel beautiful enough to buy mascara. Do you know you should go and see this show called Two Hearts, which yeah. is from New Zealand. My mates Laura Daniel and Joseph Moore, who have got this amazing song about that phenomenon. Yeah. I'm going to spoil the joke a little bit for everyone Do listening, it. but I'm doing it in the service of advertising this show, which you should go and see. Um, uh, I can't remember the name. It's like take your makeup off, and it's about body positivity. And the whole chorus is about ladies get out there, take your makeup off. I'm going to leave mine on so I can be the prettiest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I have very strong feelings about very strong. I have some feelings about capitalism and how it's being painted Please at the moment. Tell me more. I'm pro it. I'm pro it in the face of this. Um, wave of uh, hating on capitalism at the moment. See, I hated on capitalism before it was cool. So <laughs> Then you're fine. So my problem is not uh, with capitalism. Oh, no, my problem is with pure capitalism. So I think capitalism worked for a very long time because it was allied with other ideologies like religion and feudalism where there was a sense of reciprocal obligation. So if you had power over someone, even in a capitalist system, you owed them something. And that's kind of evaporated. We don't have religion as so much of a guiding force in people's personal lives. Mm-hmm. So you no longer have that sense of duty. There's nothing to take the place of it. Well, even like a, a lord in the olden days would have had a responsibility to his serfs. Yeah. And I'm sure many of them abused that. But there was a sense of honour and there was a sense of having to look after your people. Well. That I don't think exists anymore. Let's kick this idea around. Maybe what's taken over there is kind of the online lynch mob. Yeah. Maybe that's what's taking the place of church and, and that is amoral like it, it it pretends to be moral but it's not moral at all isn't church as well though i think yes i think it's just another structure that we all kind of hang out at yeah it's another possibly. pizza hut that we all go to on a saturday for the all you can eat buffet of feeling good because yeah. we get along and agree with each other it's it's possible that it is but so for example there's no like, you can at least argue that the church is a misappropriation of the ideology, that they're not, do, they're not living as they say they do. And the people who do live as they say they do are either lynching women for not being virgins or being very nice people. I know many, like, people who are religious and are genuinely lovely and they use their religion as a Yeah, as a, a guide vehicle to do that. good. I don't think the online stuff does have that kind of guide because it doesn't take into consideration things like the humanity of the person you're attacking or 
uh, whether somebody else has done the same thing, but eh. you've just picked that person. I think you're being selective in what you think of when you think of online communities. Because you're right. Like, when you think of Twitter, that's exactly what you think of. The yeah. worst kind of anonymity and groupthink. Yeah. Um, which I talk a little bit about in my show. Yeah, I am um, sort of steel manning the church and straw manning the <laughs> internet <laughs> good, in this good. instance. Um, but, you know, that's also coupled with things like these change petitions, which uh, people can all gravitate towards a central idea, yeah. sign their name to something which then gets delivered to an authority, someone in a, in a power who hopefully, um, you know, takes that into consideration, or um, venues of, uh, uh, you know, group giving. Yeah. of getting behind a cause uh, where you can part with a little bit of money, a few bucks, and suddenly everyone does it and you can affect a, a really yeah. huge change. That's true. I think the problem that I have maybe is this idea that it is... that it's moral to attack someone, I think mainly for art, where it bothers me, where I think, short of hate speech, like obviously hate speech is a crime and that's a thing, but I think if someone's done something that is unpleasant or offensive... Yeah. You think how will you deal with that currently is out of whack with where it should be? I think it is, I think it is more immoral to try to ruin someone's life than it is to do a piece of distasteful art. Yes, I agree. I, took, I actually, I, you know, I've been sort of ad- adapting this joke or bit of writing in the show, um, but I was talking about this tonight, how... Uh, last year in New Zealand, there was a guy called Jimmy Jackson, who's like a YouTube comedian, 25 years old, and he's of Maori descent himself, and he did a video in blackface, <laughs> and just everyone yeah. circle jerk shat on him. You know, yeah. we all bandied together on Twitter and just absolutely wrapped him to shreds. And you get to a point where when that 600th tweet is sent calling him a racist so it's like, hold on. <laughs> I don't know how we did it, but did we just lose the moral high ground against the guy <laughs> doing blackface online? Well, that's interesting. Does does New Zealand have a history of that kind of minstrel show? No, I don't think so. But so basically, like getting offended at blackface in New Zealand is cultural appropriation. Uh, you could make an <laughs> argument for that. I would not sign my name to that particular change.org petition. I think it's like anything. You import the culture, and you can import ideas about what is outrageous and what is unacceptable. And um, no, I think in a global that. culture that we have now, it is you, you don't Still really have any excuse for yeah. not. Knowing that blackface is yes. not on the cards. I mean, we've still we we still you know once every six months there'll be a big story in the in the news in New Zealand about gollywogs getting sold in some shop down in the bottom of the South Island, uh. and it'll be some tea lady who just like just has no concept yeah. of the what it means yeah. for people of colour to walk into a shop and see a gollywog in there. Yeah. She, to her, it is a genuine, um, uh, yeah, just a trinket, you know. A, yeah. A little piece of amusement, but in Jimmy Jackson, it's not exactly the same situation, but it's sort of similar. And this happens so often at the moment, where someone will stick their neck out and do something, you know, off base. Yeah. And they just genuinely have no context about the gravity of the thing with which they are playing with. Yeah. And the fury. Yeah. The with rage. which they are met these days is so disproportionate to the person's understanding. And it's one of those things where, like, if you sort of explain to someone in a calm fashion what they've done wrong, they probably would feel really awful. But that's not at all how we deal with shit now. We just all get together and shit on the person, which I think is particularly dangerous because it drives 
questions underground. Yes. So, like, if you're yes. like, why is blackface so bad? What is the history of it that makes it such a potent racist thing to do? Yeah. You don't ask the question because you do not want to engage with any conversation where you could be accused of being racist. Well, you get three potential answers. One is, you should know. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily useful. The second one is, I'm not going to do the emotional labour for you, which I think is weak because if you're trying to change the world, you've got to do some work. Yeah, and it might be talking, having a painful conversation with someone who you think should know better, but that's part of the game. Yeah, gig. and maybe it's not your responsibility, but also maybe, you know, if you want to change the world, you should Give take it a on... Go. Yeah, and then the third one is, even to ask the question is a microaggression. Which is... Man, I haven't experienced a lot of that. That's a terrifying concept. Yeah, I've seen that a few times. And sometimes it to is... To ask the question is a microaggression. Yeah, I've that, seen that genuinely. It's real through the looking glass sounding stuff there. Yeah, I've seen it done and I, I understand it. I understand it particularly when it is being done as a microaggression of the like of the school of the 50-year-old man talking about trans rights going, well, I want to be treated like a ch- Chinese... Tween, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. They, I want to identify that. as a, a Apache attack helicopter. And that's a yeah. bad faith question. And that is a microaggression. Yeah. In the same way as like, where are you from? Sure. But when um, you've created a atmosphere and a temperature where people can't ask the genuine question to find out why it's offensive and learn. Yeah. That's... And that's I'm how you breed racists. Yeah. Ignorance. It really it's, is. It's, the, you know, the shade is where all the, that yucky bits of... Um, human behaviour grow because people get very like confused and they feel very disempowered themselves Yeah. and then they're like why does everyone fucking hate me and then they find the other people who everyone hates and then they start a club and start cutting holes in the pillowcases and suddenly you've got an issue exactly I was you know I was bullied at school right and my reaction to being bullied was to withdraw into myself and basically to pretend that I was superior that they were idiots for bullying me and I was smarter than them like and and that, that that is playing out like and I was a weird kid like you, not that anyone get gets to for? deserve d- I was I was a weird kid I was in my own head I was a bit of a know-it-all in class um, I w- didn't really socialize because my mom was sick and I would often go home uh, or, and that stuff I guess and I I was proud and weird and just read books under the table in class like just. I was just a weird kid. You were doing your thing. I was doing my thing. People wouldn't have it. And not that anyone deserves to be bullied, but if anyone deserved to be bullied, it was me. <laughs> only, yeah, only because the context is so fucked to begin with. And so in the same way, people who are stupid or are malicious or racist... Are we talking about racist, high school, by the way? Yeah, deserve to be bullied. But also, it doesn't help to bully them. No, of course like, not. It depends what you want out of the interaction. Is, yeah. Do you want to put them in their place or do you want to bring them over to your place oh that's so true because they think the thing with bullying why people do it is actually the reason is they want to feel good about themselves to put someone else down yeah while putting on a cape of i'm doing the right thing for calling out this racist yeah it's just kind of what do the kids call it now virtue signaling virtue signaling yeah well i had that which i hate that term i don't know why but i hate it well because virtue should be signaled yeah maybe that's why it sounds self-defeating it's yeah i think disingenuous virtue signaling where you're kind of you know, not necessarily cleaning up your side of the street, but you're just being like, well, I'm better in this way. And yeah. Smash someone on the internet, so now I can go you know, punch a dog. It. I don't know. <laughs> I'm certainly guilty of that. I, I, um, Punching dogs? No, no, no. <laughs> 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 I, um, 
Well, committing it to podcast form is probably doubling down on the issue. I did do it. This is a safe space for dangerous ideas. This. Well, I um, I was a couple of days ago. I went. Uh, I had a day off the show, so I decided to go and read a book at the um, Melbourne Library mm. just on the grass because I'm a clever guy. <laughs> no, I never read books. That's why I was making a concerted effort to get off my phone, Good. go and sit in the sun somewhere. And I was devastatingly hungover. And I went and sat down, and there was a preacher who was there, and um, he was, which is fine. That's all good. He's allowed to be there, but he had such a loud speaker; it was insane. And he was just kind of, you know, sonically invading the entire space, that whole lawn. And I tolerated it. I had my headphones on. I was listening to music, but I could still hear him. And it was when he started talking about how Muslims and gay people were going to hell. And I was just like, fuck this guy. And I went to Office Max and bought a megaphone <laughs> and just started berating him <laughs> for an hour, telling him to go back to bed and that we'd heard him out and if he could please turn it down and leave for an hour. And How um, much did the microphone cost, your megaphone? Uh, 60 bucks, mainly batteries. Oh, no, I think the megaphone was 60 bucks and then batteries was like another 40 or something. Was it get worth it for you? It's a good question. I mean, he left eventually. So by that metric, yes. So I you would say won. So. Yeah, but then I left because I was kind of tired and out of time. Had to go home. Um, but it was, it was, it was an interesting thing. And then, yeah, I, I put something on Twitter about it, which I shouldn't have done because it's just something that I should have done. And now I've talked about it on a podcast, which is even worse. But it, I was thinking about it the other day, or well, yesterday rather. This only happened a couple of days ago because it's so relevant to what I'm talking about in my show but it now feels so contrived and made up because it's too much of a perfect fit that I haven't tried to weave it in yet well I mean yes and your show is an expression of who you are as a person and if this was also an expression it's too neat though you know (laughs) it's too neat with the theme it's going to feel made up what's the theme Um, well the name of the show is my outrage is better than your outrage (laughs) and it's it it's it It has bits in it that are on theme. A lot of it is just some stand-up bits that I've been doing in the last 12 months. Um, but I do I do talk a bit about that concept of sort of competitive aggrievement, yep. if that's a word. Um, and as the show goes on a little bit and keeps developing, I want to sort of hone that a bit more throughout it. And that story is just such a, I think, good example of it because it's like he's doing what he truly believes is right. Mm. And I, and I am too. And it's like, is he really the villain? Am I a villain? Are we both villains? Are neither of us villains? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's so tempting to attribute bad faith to your enemy. Like it's, su- yes. it's super tempting to go, well, they don't actually believe that. They're just doing that to be mean. Yeah. Or if they say that they think that, you know, gay people are going to hell. They're lying. Yeah. They just hate gay people. Yeah. Or they're homophobic or they're, um, you know, they're closeted themselves and they're acting out because, you know. But, um, but, but maybe, maybe they, they don't. genuinely think that people are going to hell. And if you thought people were going to hell, you'd want to do it's the best you could to yes. stop them going. It's the bus analogy. If someone's crossing the road and there's a bus headed for them, you would run and try and get them out of the way. And that's yeah. how... You know, certain Christian, particularly preachers, feel about prophetizing about this yeah. stuff. And I think, again, they need to work on their rhetorical techniques. 
Um, this guy was fucking dumb though. That was the other thing, Alice, that pissed me off. He was making really stupid arguments and people would engage him on the street, but he wouldn't relinquish his microphone and he would kind of straw man argument and uh, mischaracterize what the questions were Just being delivered to him. put him in a box and sell tickets as a comedy show. That's exactly what I did. When I got on the, <laughs> um, the megaphone, I said, everyone give it up for this guy. It's his first time at the Melbourne International Comedy <laughs> Festival. He's still learning the ropes a little bit. Um, but it was, that was the bit that, yeah, really for some reason made me infuriated is that he wouldn't... He was so loud. He was so amplified. And he wouldn't allow anyone to make a point on the same platform he had. And they had good points. And people deserved to hear them. But he was fearful, I think. Yeah. Of being proved wrong. Who is well, it? Yeah, it's hard to argue with someone if they've got a microphone. That's why we have a microphone. Yeah. When we do our It is. But game. That, that is also why comics, well, good comics, good working comics... I thinking constantly about like who is the target of this joke? Who yes. am I making fun of? Yes. Um, and it's why we let reviewers in, despite yeah. the fact that none of us like reviewers. Exactly, exactly. And it's why you've got to pay attention to people getting aggrieved and stuff. And you can do with that information what you want. There's a lot of comics who will say, "Fuck you" if you get offended to my material. I'm not one of those people, but like I enjoy a lot of comedians who are like that, and I enjoy yeah. their comedy. Um, but you know. You need to have a think about it. Yes. And this guy wasn't having a think about it at all. And that, I think, was the thing that was pissing me off so much. It's like, you need to have a think. Yeah, I wrote a, a, an essay for this safety house guide. So one What's of the safety house? So there's this, uh, well, uh, this person, a non-gender specific person, who started this booklet for people who are easily triggered or have disabilities or don't want to be spoken to in the crowd in order to sort of collate the shows that they can go see oh, cool. safely. Cool. And so she sent it to me, this form to fill out of like, what are you going to, you know, what's going to be in your on? show? You know, can you, you know, guarantee that you won't be triggering anyone? And I wrote like quite a long response to her <laughs> saying, on one hand, yes, I don't, I don't think I'm the kind of comedian who deliberately hurts people. Yeah. But I can't guarantee that someone won't be triggered. You can be triggered by a smell or a, a topic. And I, I, I deliberately deal with difficult topics and yeah. I deliberately push buttons. I n I'm never doing it maliciously. Yeah. And I'm never intending to hurt someone's feelings. But I can't, I can't guarantee that I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I can guarantee that I'll listen to you if you have a problem. Yeah, exactly. Ideally not if you heckle it at me, but if you come to me and go, that I didn't like that, I'll listen to you. That has to be the promise, I think. I'll hear you out. I'll hear you out. I won't even guarantee that I'll change the joke because I Absolutely. don't think offences necessarily constitutes a... You can't, you can't uh, have a blank check for anyone to say, I'm going to change my behaviour because you've opened your mouth. Yes. But you, the commitment will be, yeah, I'm going to... I'll hear what you have to say. Yeah. That's what pissed me off about this dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also so what just was the upshot? Did you have well, your show added to the Safety House booklet? It was added to the Safety House booklet with that essay, the central point of which is there are topics that can wound people. They're like bullets, right? And there's a difference between a bullet that's being shown to somebody in the palm of your hand mm -hmm. and a bullet that's being fired at someone from a gun. Mm -hmm. And I, like, strongly maintain my right to hold the bullet and show it to you, even if it makes you uncomfortable to look at a bullet. Yeah. But I won't fucking fire a gun at you. But I guess how people interpret 
your material is, you know, Look, ultimately. Look, if you show someone a bullet, it can be a threat. Yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I don't intend it as a threat. What's the funniest thing that's happened to you in your last seven days, Alice? Let's lighten this up. I feel like we've gone no, so deep. No, that's not what this podcast is. No, it's come about on, I'm being. freaking out. We're in the comedy <laughs> festival. We've gone so deep. We've gone so deep. Ethical and moral and societal quandaries. The funniest thing that has happened to me in the last... See any good farts in an elevator or... I had to climb into my own house the other night. That was pretty fun. How'd you get in? Uh, I pulled up a wheelie bin because it's got quite a high garden wall. I pulled up a wheelie bin, jumped onto the wheelie bin, walked along the wall, came down on the other side where the house's wheelie bins were and then climbed in the bathroom window, let myself out, took the original wheelie bin back to the house that it belonged in. Right. Yakety sex is playing in my head while you're describing this, by the way. Yeah. The belly. It was like, it was like three o'clock thing. in the morning and I'd left my key somewhere and I didn't want to wake up my hosts. So I instead... Oh, this I'd was your Airbnb accommodation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I had to break into their house. Perfect. <laughs> and then I was like, by the way, you have some security <laughs> issues. <laughs> I went testing. You're like a white hat hacker. Yeah, that testing is exactly the protocol. who I am. <laughs> so where can people find you online, Tim Bat? Man, everywhere. I'm, on, I'm, I'm everywhere. Not Snapchat, though. I don't understand it. It terrifies me. No. Mainly because I'm not into dick pics. <laughs> you know? Never committed it. I collect them. Do you? No, I have a folder though. <laughs> you, you involuntarily collect them. I involuntarily them. collect them. I'm point. like a flypaper for <laughs> dick pics. My favourite dick pic was very early on. It's the first one I ever got after a comedy show when I was still basically an open micer and I got a dick pic with the words, good show. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> like it was a flower <laughs> they were offering me. <laughs> That's kind of sweet when you frame it like that. Yeah. Hey, what's the let, let me quiz you on this. What's the ratio of erect to flaccid penises? Are they always at always full mast? Always erect. Have you ever received a? How, what a baller move would it be to send someone a picture of your flaccid penis? Genuinely, a moment of like vulnerability. Yeah, quite endearing, eh? Yeah, I think it would be. Here's me. Here's not at me. my best. Yeah, not at my best. <laughs> I think that would be. I mean, I don't encourage it. Just as a note for my audience, that's not what I want. Yeah, this isn't an invitation, folks. Uh, but yes, that that was the funniest thing. What's the funniest thing that's happened to you other than shouting at a shouting man? Oh, goodness. Uh, I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. Is it someone wheeling a rickshaw indoors? It's pretty wild, that's isn't happening. it? Um, that's a cool-looking rickshaw, too. Fully functional. I thought it was like just a decorative... Uh, on-theme bit of set dressing. For no, this that's Chinese how I'm museum, getting home. But great. <laughs> you can have a wonderful time in that thing. The preacher thing was pretty funny to me, even at the time. I started dancing at him. It's weird. I really... Oh, you have a megaphone. Can yeah. I borrow it for the resistance? Mate, I've got have it. You can have because now it's just a dead weight. I have no use for it whatsoever. Have it. Okay, let's Absolutely take this offline. It. Yeah. People look up Timbat online. He's yeah. Timbat on Twitter. and Timbat.co.nz because a plumber owns Timbat.com. I, it'll be mine one day. Go see his show at Kazray Tops, Dirty Secrets. Yeah, or if you're in Sydney, I'm coming there to the Enmore. And if you've got New Zealand listeners, I'll be doing Auckland and Wellington as well. Oh, brilliant. Do that. I do have New Zealand listeners. Say hi. Bye. Bye.
do you know? Oh, do you not? This top is mistress that we have got. Elsie Thompson, it is her name, and she helps the doffers at every frame. Lolly rifle, doll, lolly rifle day. On Monday morning, when she comes in, she hangs her coat on the highest pin. Turns around for to view her frames, crying, damn you, doffers, cry up your ends. Lolly rifle, doll, lolly rifle day. And when the boss, he looks round the door, tie our ends up, doffers, he will roar. Well, tie our ends up, we surely do, for Elsie Thompson, but not for you. Lolly rifle, doll, lolly rifle day. Oh, Elsie Thompson is going away, is it tomorrow or yet today? We'll tie our ends up and leave our frames and wait for Elsie to return again. Lolly rifle, doll, lolly rifle, day.